0: Welcome into a post Christmas edition of the Nebraska 24 7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brunts and BC here on December 27th. Still plenty of holiday cheer surrounding the air at the Nebraska 24 7 offices. Gentlemen, how were your Christmases?
1: My, mine was fabulous. Uh, no family fights, nothing like that. Um, I got a. I got an old school Nintendo. Ah. Ooh. And I was like as excited when I saw it as I probably was when I was seven years old and I opened it. Did you get
2: Duck Hunter? Yeah. What kind of games did you get on there? there? were
1: only two games, and it was from my mother in law, and it was a very nice gesture. It was uh, just Super Mario Brothers and um, Mario 3. I had been telling my wife that I would, they had, the, this was their Nintendo, and it had just been sitting in the basement all lonely for years and i had many times said you know i think i could use that if nobody wants to use it and so it was given to me i
2: have a copy in my home right now of tecmo super bowl if you wanted to uh, i would take that well i'm not giving it to you i'll I'll play it against you um (laughs) as as the 91 Denver broncos (laughs) if you want i'm not giving it to you (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> pry that cartridge from my cold, dead hands.
0: <laughs> now I think that you should have some sort of wager on this where you play each other and then the winner gets the game.
1: He doesn't want to risk that. Wow.
0: I mean, if that's... Yeah. I mean, Brian has to put up something, too, obviously. You already have the game. I've already got I Super I have to put Martins. up the
1: Nintendo. <laughs> but I don't need
2: another Nintendo. I've got a Nintendo.
0: You know, Brun's, Bruns has every game system. Oh, somehow. you have it? His, his, like, downstairs is just... The arcade of it's like a, a child's it's dream situation. from
1: 1988 to 2000. Every kid's Christmas. pretty, pretty much. But but
2: I, I if you uh, next time I will I will bring. I got Mike Tyson's Punch Out too. If you the wanna. actual one with Mike
1: Tyson. Yes. See, I as a kid, I got Punch Out where Mr. Dream is the final character because at that point Mike Tyson had gotten in a little legal trouble. <laughs> I think he was in prison, and uh, so they didn't sell the Mike Tyson version. So that would be a I'll, I'll, bring, I'll
2: bring that next time. That's I, I can pass on the joy.
0: We really just need to do a podcast. Uh and honestly what it could be is just you two playing and I'm providing play by play as this game is going on, as well as doing the color analyst uh position. I could I could be a Vin Scully of these things, I have no doubt on that.
2: That that's exactly what Techmo Bowl needs is Vin Scully breaking it down <laughs> and telling stories about the time he went roller skating with Jackie and Rachel Robinson in my, the background.
1: My brother is telling me the other day that there's a kid who beat Mario Brothers in 56 seconds. It's on YouTube or something. I have to look it up. I want to see it with 56 my 56 seconds. Idea. That would be amazing. That, yeah, that's Is incredible. there no load time
0: in this game?
1: I don't know. You have to What's the button you have to hit to do the super jump? I have to familiarize myself. You know when you make Mario like do he really pops up into the air a yeah. long ways.
2: There's probably somebody screaming at their podcast. Thing right now, saying what the button is. He's combo like, it's is. A and B at the same time, idiots. <laughs> the guy's uh, gonna feel real stupid right about now. You are, you are of age to remember this movie, and I'll see if you do. Do you remember the movie The Wizard with Fred Savage, oh, yeah. where they debuted Super do Mario Brothers 3 of with I the Power Glove? Yeah, when uh, back when I joined Netflix, back when you still actually got discs in the mail, the first first video or uh, DVD that I rented from Netflix was *The Wizard*. And I'm sure that there was probably somebody who had to go and find that on a dusty shelf somewhere who yeah. was like, Who in the hell <laughs> like, is, what is wanting it? this movie and what is it?
1: I was so jealous of Fred Savage. Not only did he date Winnie Cooper, you know, on Wonder Years, he gets to use the power glove and was competing in this national tournament as the top Nintendo player in the country as a young boy. That's pretty much what I wanted.
2: He had a pretty good four year run there between that uh Princess Bride, um, the Wonder Years. I mean, he was, he was on top of the world.
1: You know, I didn't know this. I forgot about this. He actually shows up in a Seinfeld episode too. It's when it's a bad, bad Seinfeld episode of me when they go out to California. It's like a two-part episode, and Kramer gets arrested. Bad. It's, you don't enjoy that one. I don't like it. You no. don't like the keys. I don't think it's one of the better Seinfeld. It, it includes one of my favorite
0: lines of all time, though. Okay. George and uh, <laughs>
1: Jerry are. Are
0: arguing about whether you tip the chambermaid or not, and they're in the back of the the squad car with the other guy, and they turn to him for his advice. And I think George says something along the lines of, well, Ann Landers says, and the guy's like, Ann Landers
1: sucks! (laughs) Just the way that he says it is just
0: tremendous.
1: There are a couple good lines in there, and that's one of them, but... Uh, Fred Savage also makes a 10 second appearance where he's at like a coffee shop and Kramer tries to sell him a screenplay idea or something.
2: As Fred Savage? Yeah, I'd...
1: he's just Fred Savage enjoying like a mocha or, or something.
0: Nice. So the, the run that Brunts is talking about <laughs> for Fred Savage starts in 1987 with The Princess Bride, also includes appearances in Vice Versa, which I've never heard of, Little Monsters, which I think is a notable 80s movie. The Wizard, and then at that time, he had started filming with The Wonder Years. So that goes from 1987 to 1990, which is probably the peak of Fred Savage's career. <laughs> Who is more notable now for his uh, directing?
1: He was on a show with else. Rob Lowe also. that oh, was, it was a terrific show. Grinder, and they, for some reason, took it off the air, oh. and it was really funny. It was <laughs>
0: hilarious. It was very, very funny. It's a terrible, terrible name, <laughs> which was part of what made it funny, but... Uh, it was a terrific uh,
2: satire of I agree of, with you. of of television. Brunts has not seen the show it appears. This was a Brunts would like their L- little that. monsters. This is kind of an 80s all-star cast of Fred Savage, Daniel Stern and yeah. Howie Mandel. <laughs> there you go. That's like that's basically you know three people who you, who you would need to win Hollywood Squares. I feel like in like 1987,
1: when Howie Mandel wasn't blowing up balloons on his head, isn't that what he used to do? You would blow up a balloon on top of his head. I, I think that was that? the
2: shtick. The uh, <laughs> if you were wondering, <laughs> Little Monsters grossed 793 thousand dollars at the box office and cost seven million dollars to make. So. so it
0: is a uh, uh, fail. Yes, uh, the Price is Right horn should be going off right about now.
1: Yeah. Well we're uh speaking of little monsters, what about Will Honus on the field? <laughs> He's a monster linebacker.
2: Hell of a segue there. Um you don't
0: even yell segue. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's I don't know. You're just done with it. Yeah. It, it There's people that was our favorite part of the show. I know. It's a little played out. So played. <laughs> um so we're seven minutes in. Since we last had the podcast, Will Honus decided to hop into Brass's recruiting class. Schaefer, what can you tell us about Will Honus? Very athletic linebacker. He's not your prototypical
0: three-four inside linebacker in that he's going to be on the lighter side, but he can definitely play, you know, sideline to sideline. He's gonna, he's gonna be infinitely quicker than what Nebraska's had for inside linebackers the last couple of years. You think about the size that they've had, whether they were in the four-three under Mark Banker's system with Josh Manders or with the three-four with Chris Weber and, and Dedrick Young. I mean, Will Honus is a faster, uh, more athletic linebacker in those terms as well. But he gives up nothing in terms of physicality. I mean, you watch his film, and obviously it's, it's junior college ball. He's going to have to adjust to Big Ten football as well. But he's got really good quickness, great football instincts. When he hits people, they go down. He's a very uh, excited player on the field, very quiet player off the field, his uh, coach joked about that a little bit, uh, that the the intensity of, of Will Honus on the field is like nothing that you have seen. And then off the field, you can't even get him to even say his own name half the time. So, yeah, a very exciting get for Nebraska on Thursday. It was one that, you know, we were doing this podcast and we were talking on signing day. I felt pretty confident that they were going to get, uh, it was just a matter of, getting him to decide not to take that Wisconsin visit. They had already beaten Iowa out. They were going to be the team. It was just whether he wanted to hold on. Because he could still enroll at either place. It was just going to be a little bit more dangerous for Nebraska if he wanted to take that visit or not. Ultimately, they get that commitment. They get a guy that he's going to come in and and challenge right away. I mean, he's going to be one of those inside linebackers. And then you would assume Dedrick Young, Avery Roberts – and Mo Berry are all fighting. I mean, those four guys are going to be fighting for two spots. And it's going to be a, a different
2: 3-4 than what we have seen, and, and Will Honus can definitely be a part of that. The most important question when you're talking about recruiting defenders, um, their highlights, where was he in terms of fun to watch In ter- you know, from a range of, say, Marcus Newby to anybody else? Because I still think that's probably – near the top of uh, the huddle highlights for me. but I mean,
0: the most fun I've ever seen is uh, the it was a Texas A&M defensive lineman. who I want to say his nickname was Mack Truck. I can't remember what it is. It was like Mack Wilson, something like that was his name. Uh, I, it wasn't at that level because you don't have a 270-pound guy just destroying high schoolers running through him as a running back on his film. But Will Hone is hitting people is a pretty good highlight in itself, and if people haven't seen it, they can certainly see him on Nebraska.247sports.com or his uh, player profile page. They're pretty good, and he's he's athletic. I mean, he had a couple interceptions on the year. He took one back for a touchdown. I mean, this guy can, like I said, he can cover some field, which is good. And the thing that his coach raved about the most was his instincts, is that he's someone that studies a lot of film, has a good feel for situations, and can – maybe adapt a little bit on the fly and put himself in the right position to make plays. The The comparison I'm seeing a lot on the message board, and it's not close in terms of physical size at all, is is to Levante David. But if he has anywhere near that sort of football IQ of a Levante David, Nebraska just got the best player in their class maybe for the next couple of years. Those players don't come along very often.
2: And a three-for-three three guy. uh, Two-for-three. Two-for-three. Yeah, two-for-three. He, he
0: played his – He missed his senior year with a knee injury of high school. He played a little bit as a freshman in a mostly backup role in special teams and then started this past year. And so that's why you didn't see as many teams on him um, until late is because it wasn't until halfway through the season that people realized, oh, they've got a special kid over here. And then most teams started to reevaluate junior college prospects later in November, and that's why you didn't see as many teams after him as maybe you would have. And that works in Nebraska's favor, too.
1: What made this one such a big deal, too, was it's not like Nebraska was beating out Georgia or some SEC team they're not going to play. You're beating out your rivals. And I think a lot of Husker fans, I could tell it on my Twitter timeline, were panicked kind of in the signing day and Wednesday night because, you know, Wisconsin was creeping into the picture and trying to get them to visit. and you could just picture a player like that at Wisconsin or Iowa causing problems for Nebraska. He seems like one of those linebackers that has given Nebraska fits for the last three or four years. And I think Cusker fans are kind of visualizing him in another uniform and the problem he'd create for them. And so it's almost a double play. You win and your opponents lose. And so I think that's what makes this one such a big deal. Was there, when he, You know, finally was
2: announced that he'd signed with Nebraska. I mean, it felt like it really kind of raised. I mean, Nebraska hit a lot of needs in this class, but it felt like that one commitment kind of upped things a little bit too with this class based on what you just said with Iowa and Wisconsin being involved. The fact that he's going to be here in January. You don't want to say the one guy really makes that class, but I think that it, it hits a number of boxes and makes that class look a heck of a lot better. That's kind of a a bow on that early class, I think.
0: I mean, people really like, I mean, athletic linebackers. It's something that fans have been clamoring for for a while. It's something that you like seeing on film. You like hearing about a guy that has the offers from places like Wisconsin and Iowa at linebacker in particular because those two schools have certainly outdone Nebraska at that position for a while now. And so I, I think all of that adds into it. And then you hear, I mean, his coach did a, a terrific job talking about him and, and I don't want to say hyping him up because his own statistics and his highlights do enough of that. But filling in the details about how this is a, you know, a no-nonsense, ready-to-go-to-work guy. And I, I wrote about this a day after he had signed, but this is the kind of guy that, you know, you you see teams take a lot of the personality of their coach I mean, Will Honus has a lot of the seemingly Scott Frost personality. He wants to play football. His focus is on football. doesn't really care about the other stuff. He didn't see him doing interviews. He didn't even tweet out that he had committed or that he had signed or that any of it was over. Nebraska did the release. He favorited a couple things. He retweeted a couple things. He sent a few people, thank you for congratulations. Other than that, pretty quiet guy. He just wants to go play football. I think there's a, a really good fit with somebody like that and who's soon to be his coach uh, in Barrett Rood and soon to be his coach in Scott Frost. Rude was very involved in this recruitment too, and, and that was something that uh, Tim Schaffner was, was telling me about as well is that Will Honus saw a little similarity in, in his ability and, and Barrett Rood, and he wanted to go play for a guy that had been to the NFL had been at Nebraska, had been a very successful player. He wanted to be around people like that, and and that's as big of a
2: reason as we're talking about Will Honus today as anything else. Kind of looking back on this recruiting class, I mean, was there anything we missed in terms of? I guess what are your takeaways? I mean, you, you we we kind of went through this last week, but what what boxes did Nebraska like? What was the one box that they checked? And You're what you, about the check in the boxes. Lots today. lots of boxes being checked. Um, and, I mean, what, what needs to happen over the next month, I guess, as they get down to the second signing period to finish things off right?
0: Well, they've got to go out and get a couple cornerbacks. I, they've got to get guys that can at least compete in the fall and push people in front of them because that is the scariest-looking position on the roster right now. And I don't want to sound alarms. It's... December 27th. Like, I don't need to be ridiculous about this,
2: but... I'm going to anyways.
0: No, I I mean, you've, you've got Deontay Williams who can help you more likely as a nickelback or as a safety, and he can play some boundary corner, but that's not the position where you necessarily want him at. You've got Lamar Jackson, DiCaprio Boodle, Eric Lee, Avery Anderson, Tony Butler. Got a lot of question marks there, and you didn't get somebody like Jeremy Webb who I think they were really hoping they could get on campus and win him over because that was somebody they kind of wanted to just pencil his name in on the depth chart because that's going to be a special player for Bud Foster's Virginia Tech defense. I mean, it's going to be one of those misses where you're like, damn, if Scott Frost had been here all year, I bet Nebraska gets that guy. And there's not a lot of those junior college cornerbacks that are going to be available, and they wouldn't be able to show up until the fall anyways. So you've got to go out and get some high school guys that, at the very least, maybe they can come in and show you something, and then by the middle of the year they are playing in that rotation. Uh, they really like somebody like Tyon Palmer. They they would love to get UCLA commit um, Griffith Elijah Griffith, I believe he's a, a top two four seven defender. I mean, it, it it doubly hurts because you had Chase Williams, Mario Goodrich, and and Brennan Radley hiles all in the class previous. Those are all gone. And there was a reason Dante Williams was targeted to come in as a coach and Nebraska was targeting those players specifically because they know the previous regime knew that was a giant hole in the roster. This regime knows it too, and you're going to see that here in January. And I'm, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how they go after it, how you know forceful they are, and, and the numbers of what they have come in and visit. And it's – it's going to be pretty interesting how some of these positions break down. I mean, we're seeing some offers out to defensive linemen. We're seeing some offers out to running backs, plenty out to receivers. Haven't been as many with the defensive backs. They had some before Christmas. So we'll we'll see what direction that all goes.
1: Yeah, I th- I think last week you mentioned this and you were right. There's some guys who are like mid-three star prospect type guys. That I think are going. There's just going to be this mad sprint to them in this last month, and they're gonna. They are going to benefit from this. Um, you mentioned that last week, and I kind of was pondering. And then some of these defensive lineman offers that came out, yep. I think, is kind of an example of that. I mean, those are good players, but they're going to be treated like gold right now in this last month before February, and that's that's going to be pretty interesting with everybody it having It's going to change out. how ev- the fan
0: base reacts to them and those yeah. commitments and then the expectation levels. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to... No, I smart. mean,
1: that it's just going to be long line, elbows out type of deal for prospects that I don't know if they would, nor- under the previous, the way it was set up signing day, I don't know if they would get that quite that much attention. You, ne-
2: Nebraska signed 12, 12, 13, 12. 12, they've got two 12. others committed. Um, which was pretty low down the list among Big Ten teams and, and certainly in Power Five ranks. Does, I, I'll be curious to see if that helps them or hurts them because you've got these schools that already have a lot of their class wrapped up, if not all of the class, who are turning their attention to 2019 and future classes. But at the same time, Nebraska has room for some of these guys who are you know mid- to upper three-star guys who – you know, might have been late bloomers or late offers who all of a sudden are still sitting there, uh, and Nebraska has that space now. So you know, will that help Nebraska as they try to fill their class? I mean, it, it's th- there's going to be limited options, but at the same time, you're going to have teams going for more specific needs who still have spots. So I, th- I think Nebraska is actually in a pretty good spot to wrap up 2018 pretty strong.
0: Yeah, I, I think they have a chance to go out and get some real good players. I mean, there's still some top-end guys they really like, both at receiver, at defensive back, um, some offensive linemen they've recently offered. One guy they, they absolutely love that they're going to try to – he's planning on being here January 12th, which is looking like it's going to be a monster visit weekend. So that's uh, it's certainly going to be a, a weekend to, to keep in mind. They're going to have – Javante Jean-Baptiste, that might be their number one defensive target right now. He's not a defensive back, but he's an outside linebacker who, for all intents and purposes, would represent maybe the most significant pass rusher win Nebraska's had on the recruiting trail since Randy Gregory. And I don't say that to just completely hype this guy up, but you're talking about a six foot five, two hundred and twenty-pound defensive end or outside linebacker type that went from 936 in the country to 130 because of his senior year. I mean, there are a lot of teams that got on him late. UCF was on him early. They carried that over. He was one of those offers Nebraska made that Saturday night when Scott Frost took the job. He's in love with Virginia Tech, but Nebraska got him not to sign on uh, signing day this past week, which is huge. Uh, There probably hasn't been enough publicity on the kids that – the staff were not just this one, but other staffs were able to save or prevent by playing defense to get them to wait. And that's a guy they're going to roll as much red carpet out for as they can. And, and Javante Jean Baptiste, I mean, I would put him as their number one target going forward throughout the rest of this recruiting cycle, because he could be that big of a get for them.
1: Well, I mean, I I think you so far, you have to be impressed with the staff, um, you know like like last night Ryan Held had some comments on the Husker Sports network and we we put a story out about that and you know the thing you that comes across when you listen to Ryan Held specifically but I I think this he was saying about the whole staff is this is just they're kind of a relentless bunch you know they they had to work really hard at UCF to get the type of players they got that could help them right away and now I think what they're realizing is there were certain players that were out of reach at UCF that now suddenly are in play for them. And that's just incredibly exciting. If, if there is there some target you saw out there and you may be like, man, he would really work here, but he's probably not gonna come here because he can't play for a national championship or in a power five school. Now I can actually tell that guy we can play for that. And so I, ju- I just think that has will add a lot of energy to the staff when you when you can go after guys that you probably legitimately couldn't get earlier.
0: It's To me, it, it's worth noting, and I think I said this last week, and I'll say it again, I've said it on a couple of radio shows, UCF last class, last full class under Scott Frost, four of their top five signings came in January they got those commitments so this is a staff that is used to doing well in the month of January it's so 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 important to remember that they're no longer to be serving a dual role they're going to have the entire month to go out and recruit and sell and have kids come in for visits and really get to utilize that month and and i think with what we've seen i mean they were making offers on Christmas day These guys are workers. Like, they're not going to be taking time off or worried about anything other than getting this job done, and they want to to go in that game with UCF and then turn around and put together this class. I think they're going to steal some guys. I mean, I, I think that there's going to be a couple people that they go and get that maybe no one saw coming. And, I mean, I wish I could tell you who those players were, Right now, right off the bat, I mean, one of them, they would, like I said, they would love to get uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste, or whether it's Michael Thompson, or maybe it's a defensive back or an offensive lineman or a wide receiver. I mean, they're, they're certainly going to go to work, and they're going to give it their best effort. Uh, and, I mean, I think that they have just done a really nice job with that early period with everything they have going on. I'm just going to be so fascinated to see what it's
2: like in January when it's hundred. A hundred percent Nebraska. Does the Peach Bowl help? I mean, you've got essentially a three and a half hour infomercial for that offense. But who's going to be watching? I mean, this is what I keep wondering. Like recruits barely
0: watch college football as it is. Yeah, but but it's and it's not the playoffs, and it's not even
2: like it's the marquee. It's New January. 16. It's the morning of January first. What else are they going to be doing? Sleeping? No. They're not. They're going to be glued. They're, they're glued. Be glued on the Peach Bowl. On the Peach Bowl. I don't know about that, I think we're we're talking to different recruits. Though. But but going back to when Nebraska kind of went through that the first time with Bo Pelini and he's you know got this great defense at LSU, and everybody is all cheesed up about it. I didn't really feel like Nebraska did a very good job of capitalizing on that at the time. Like, and, and for this staff. and and selling this offense and what it can do and the points that they score and the tempo they play with, it just feels like an opportunity to, I mean, even like a stupid, like going back, Ten days later, and sending out like a five-second gif of a long touchdown no, run in a big game. They can definitely do that. I think I, they can play it up.
0: I'm not saying that they can't get value out of the bowl game. I'm saying I don't buy the three-hour infomercial because I don't think that many recruits will be watching it as it happens. That doesn't mean that—
2: But it, it's not even the, the recruit having to watch. I
0: mean, it's it's right. the no, national it's, conversation it's, about it's it, too. Good it's good that—in I mean, in the same way that the Memphis game was good that you can send that out. Like, look at this excitement, look at this offense, you're a running back, look at these holes that you could be hitting, I mean, that kind of thing. What this game does is you're going to be showing it against, okay, this was a team that was damn near won the SEC, and this is with a group that we only had two years with, we're in it for the long haul at Nebraska. I mean, yeah, there's there's tons of ways they're going to be able to, to spin it and sell it and utilize it. Um, I just, like I said, I always scoff at the three-hour infomercial thing because are you going to watch it all three hours of this
2: game? Glued. 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 Really? I'm coming home early on New Year's Eve so I get enough rest to wake up and be fully charged <laughs> and ready to go to watch this damn Yo, ben, game. A, coming Four home early. what? Then. Uh, pray tell, what are the, the Brunces' New Year's like, Eve players? I would normally be home around 10. I'm probably going to be home around 8.30 <laughs> nice. in bed by 9. Mm, maybe you guys could get together and play Tecmo Bowl. We could.
1: That no, wouldn't be the worst New Year's I've had. Yeah.
2: I, I've had worse, that's for damn sure. I
0: mean, I'm interested. I um, certainly wouldn't mind being there to see it go off.
1: Chris Dolman. That's,
2: that's your guy in that game. <laughs> Chris Dolman's being disruptive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He was a yes. great Viking. He was a great Viking. And does this mean you want to segue into Vikings talk? No, I don't. I'm just saying. I I know which we You want to talk about go. a team
0: that checked some boxes off this <laughs> yeah. past weekend.
2: They checked a lot of boxes. Beating bad
0: teams. You said it. I mean, I the the Vikings handled the business. They
2: handled their business. It was great. <laughs> you guys, you guys are waiting for the shooter drop, though, aren't you? What shoe? The one that's just always hanging above your team, just ready to drop. You sound
1: like the Packers fan sitting in my row and and would
2: you please sit down?
1: Yeah. <laughs> the people, Lamb, uh, Green Bay Packer fan. A lot of nice fans up there. I made the trip for Vikings Packers, but there were a couple jackballs. I will tell you that. They were uh, reminding us about Gary Anderson's missed field goal and Blair Walsh and all this stuff and how many Super Bowls we have. and I live in the now is what I told them. That's good. And someone's playing in January and somebody's not.
2: And did you welcome them to look forward to Brett Hundley for the next <laughs> five years? I
1: think there's probably a decent number of Packer fans listening. So I, so there's, a, there's some kind ones out there. Um, but the guy next to me, he was a bad representative of your fan base. That's all I'm going to say. We were just minding our own business. We weren't being those guys who were like in your face, you know, after stuff, we were just sitting there politely Christofferson boys as we were raised and they come at us with all this stuff about, you know, the, the past. And I just had to come back at him a little bit. <laughs> I was not kicked out of the stadium. I like it.
0: I, I, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there.
1: Oh, you would have got loud. Schaefer would have not I, had it. I mean,
0: I thrive on those kinds of confrontations, <laughs> and I like to pride <laughs> myself that I have the sort of wit that I can get under their skin, even though they they do have the Super Bowl lead. Mm. But you know what? They're not. They're not the division champions. They can't even score points. Yeah, can't win games if you can't score points. That's true. You can't field goal them to death. You cannot. Well, we, do you want to? Do you want to give an ode to the Broncos' 2017 season? No, I'm good. And, and Brock Osweiler. I am good. We just want you to feel included.
2: I'm good. Football Paxton season Lynch. ended long, long ago.
1: Paxton Lynch is playing this week against uh, Mahomes.
2: That's it's exciting. I'm the the watch. only thing that can salvage this season is somehow Denver, you know, takes care of business in the in the finale. That that's that's pretty much all I got.
1: In a game the Chiefs don't care about.
2: That's correct. They all matter.
0: I mean, it it matters to one Mike Schaefer's pick em. I know that much.
2: As as somebody who married into a largely Chiefs family. They all matter.
0: I didn't know that. Mm. So you, I mean, do you get messages about these? No, they're things? they're
2: they're respectful about it. It's not too. Are not they too respectful
0: heated. about it, or they just don't really care that much?
2: Well, I mean, they're Chiefs fans, so what have they really had to care about for Ooh. going on three oh decades boy. now? So you your went full is, Packers there. Yeah,
1: you did. Your life is like that overplayed commercial then, where the guy shows up in his yeah. Well, every time I watch players,
2: that commercial, I'm like I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> just wear the damn
0: sweater. Yeah. Well, yeah, like why? Why should that guy have to be the outcast if they're going to sit
2: around in their chiefs gear for no reason on their their holiday meal? Every time I see that commercial, I just feel embarrassed for the entire family because they pick those two fan bases to support, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that they're wearing that fashion at a you know family dinner. Yeah. yeah. I don't get it. Like if anything <laughs>
2: those two fan bases should like wrap arms around one another cuz they haven't won anything of substance in oh. the last 20 years.
1: I can't imagine how
0: bad I would be berated by my family if I showed up for a holiday dinner wearing like a Vikings jersey.
2: Really? Yeah. Are, are you uh what's your family uh just in general? Just like, in general. Okay.
0: Well, I mean I I think that there's instead of a nice collared shirt anti jersey to begin with.
2: What if you but. put like a Chad Greenway jersey which I know you own over I do a, own. Over like a collared shirt, like a polo. I would probably still be berated for it. Well, your dad's a Pats fan though, yeah. right? No, I hear all about Super Bowls, trust yeah, me. That's that'd be hard. <laughs> then there's if
0: for whatever reason the Vikings defy this shoe that you claim that that seems to be potentially falling, uh, I would want nothing more than for the
2: Pats to be on the other sideline. I'm mildly intrigued by the home game Super Bowl possibilities for you guys
1: haven't you always wanted to see that I'm not just saying it because it's my team I've I've been hoping for that when it's been a possibility it'd it'd be intriguing.
2: I wonder like how like how many Vikings fans like would actually get in the stadium
1: yeah because it's so corporate right if it and I'll tell you this if it's a if they were playing like the Steelers who would just have a fan base all over the place I'll bet you money that it's like half and half.
2: That secondary market would be insane for that the, game, by the way. The thing
0: that I think of, though, if it's a home game for the Vikings, is that you have these people. They haven't played in the Super Bowl since the late 70s, right? Yeah. So you have people that probably. <laughs> this is a once in a lifetime experience. Kind of like you're right. The secondary money is going to be insane. Uh, it's going to be similar to like Cubs fans taking over Jacobs Field, except. At this point, it would be their own home field. I think the, they would show up big. I honestly think the losers in the whole thing would be the hotels of the Twin Cities. No one's going to need to stay there if the fan base is all closed. That's true. For the most
2: part. That Uber driver, though, was pretty convinced it was going to be the Falcons. So They may
0: not make the playoffs.
2: He's going to be disappointed. I shows, shows what he knows. He just can't trust
0: your Uber drivers to make the correct <laughs> picks for for the NFL. Though, he, he would have... Told us that the next day the Gophers were going to put up 54 points on Nebraska. I wouldn't have believed that either. That's true.
1: And run for 400 uh, yards. Yeah.
0: Is Is
2: it time to talk a little basketball? Is there any hoops really to discuss here at this point? Stetson's rolling into town on Friday. The Hatters. The Hatters. Not the Mad Hatters, just the Hatters. And how do you feel about Nebraska's chances in this contest? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. The uh, last game of non-conference play is upon us with the Stetson Hatters of the, I believe, Atlantic Sun. Is that what I said? Mm A little interesting side note, Stetson University was not always Stetson University, but was renamed uh, in honor of the founder of the Stetson Hats when he bailed the college out. So it's a little Stetson trivia for the day. What was its name before? I don't know. Okay, that's great. Uh but they're rolling into town, uh, hats hats askew, ready to, to try to upset Nebraska. Is it a controversial take if I say that Glenn Watson hasn't been nearly good enough this season? Uh well, I mean I that's true. I think it's a I think the it's a little bit of an oversimplification, oversimpli- which I hear a lot with the as Glenn goes, so does Nebraska.
0: That's I mean that's what the, the it helps. common thought was but I think that tells you that Nebraska is deeper than
2: what people realized. Sure, I think the the big question they have to solve, perhaps before January second, is what the heck they're going to do at the, at the center spot. I mean, you're getting Just don't play one. You're getting nothing from Jordy. One three one, everybody. You're getting nothing from Doobie. I mean, your best move at this point is pretty much to start Isaiah Roby at center, right, and go small. Probably. Yeah, I mean I, I I
0: don't argue any of that. I mean, when I've watched Jordy play, it's been bad. Uh, I thought again, I thought this was a guy that was going to develop a little bit from from last year. He had some really good games in the Big 10, played well, was a key cog, and their big man development just has not been there throughout the last few years. And it's a little bit concerning that a guy going into his sophomore season has regressed as much as he has,
2: and I don't. I mean, I, I think you could probably go small most nights in the Big Ten and be okay. I mean, that you're going to get killed by Purdue because Isaac Haas is in the middle and is basically going to would They've have got a very favorable pretty match big up. advantage
0: guard wise against Purdue, though.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying, like Haas would probably go for about 18 and 15. That sure, night. but. I mean, I think that's probably your best option, and and I mean, Roby's is their best offensive player from an efficiency point of view. So, I mean, you have him out there a little bit more. He spreads the floor, probably opens. Yeah. Wow. Um. So I don't know. I mean, it's that's what I'm curious about. I mean, yeah, Glenn hasn't been consistent, and I still think if you have physical guard play, you can take him out of a game. Um, but is that easily. maybe
0: good for Nebraska that you haven't even had like? a version of Glenn Watson for three games this season, if that's coming and you have everything else going pretty well, they're going to be even better.
2: You would think, yeah.
0: I mean, I I couldn't believe when I saw the other day that James Palmer has been in double digits of every game but one. I mean, that's say what you will about his defense, and it's not always pretty, but that kind of consistent scoring – is pretty big when you have a guy like Glenn Watson that you never know if you're going to get
2: two points from or 22 points. With Palmer, too, it's about how a game's officiated. Because if he's getting to the line a lot, I mean, he's pretty darn good. Um, But, you know, as you saw against Kansas and other games where if it's – Creighton? Yeah, where you're getting mugged and not getting calls, he's going to struggle a little bit or at least not be able to score 22 points and have – you know, 11 of them come from the free throw line. So, I don't know, we'll see. I mean, it's Stetson-Stetson, you know, but, I mean, you got Northwestern and Purdue right out of the gates on the road in conference play. And you basically, you, you Do you think at, they can go one-on-one there? I think I don't think Northwestern's as good as they as were they a year ago. Well, they should have beat them at home last
1: year. It's a hostile place, though.
2: Yeah. Well, they're not even playing at the Ryan anymore. They're not. They're, they're uh, redoing their arena, so they're playing out at uh, – uh, the place where the Chicago Wolves play, whatever that arena, All-State Arena, I think, out in the, the suburbs. Hell are the Chicago Wolves. It's a minor league hockey team. Why do you know this? I don't know. <laughs> but it's loud in there, though. Yeah, it's in- intimidating. Chris Collins
1: gets that crowd going.
2: <laughs> I mean, as long as they don't allow Derek Pardon to go for forty like yeah. he always seems to do against Nebraska, they'll be all right. So if they beat Stetson, they
1: they're ten and five, basically nine and four non con. Is that about what you thought they would have been?
2: Yeah, I mean the only game that I thought that they probably would have won that they didn't I thought they would have been more competitive against UCF. Like I I thought that was one that they probably should have had. I mean you could say they probably should have had that Kansas game too. So
1: if they had Kansas in pocket
2: It looks a lot different. Jeez. But I mean conference play, four out of their last five were at home in February. So if you're in that conversation on February 1. You have to feel pretty good about you know the possibility of a strong finish. I don't I don't know that I'd say that Nebraska is a tournament team like some have said, but I think they can be NIT on the cusp of the conversation. NIT I think is probably a fair fair
0: target. How many days until baseball starts? Have you counted down yet? I think it's uh, right around 50. We're getting to your favorite part of the calendar when all three sports are going at once.
2: Yeah. That you're always very thrilled when that happens. Very happy. Yes. Unusually so. Yep. Yep. About 50, uh, 50 odd days, I believe, until the start of baseball season. So
1: he's like Costanzo when he signs that deal for his hands, you know, <laughs> and he's just skipping through
2: the park. Yeah. That's you. Yep. Just skipping away. <laughs>
0: A lot of Seinfeld references today, I that's I most I like, of my life is I, mean, I built feel like off this of, podcast needs more <laughs> Seinfeld. We even had to curb your enthusiasm. I can bring you Seinfeld if you there want was, Seinfeld. There was some Fred Savage talk in there. We've covered a lot of ground <laughs> today, some tech mobile uh should we should we mercifully just end this? I think it's time for for people all right, well, if you want more of this great content that includes less Fred Savage or Seinfeld, be sure Not to necessarily. Stop. Well, okay, that's a good point. <laughs> Maybe more, Fred Savage. Yeah. It, depending <laughs> on on the writer, of course. And, and Brunson needs to see The Grinder, I really feel like. To truly understand and appreciate high-quality network television, you should watch The Grinder. But anyways, if you don't want to watch The Grinder and you'd rather read about Nebraska football and or Nebraska recruiting as well as Nebraska basketball taking on Stetson Friday, stop by the website at nebraska.247sports.com. For all of your needs. Uh, and if you're not a VIP member, you should give yourself that gift for 2018. It's not too late to buy yourself a Christmas gift. Uh, especially if you didn't get what you wanted this past you know, Maybe Monday. Maybe
1: they didn't get a Nintendo like I did. Yeah,
0: you might be searching for something. Maybe you got floor mats or something entirely less cool. You really didn't need all those dress socks.
1: Yeah. Call, well, calls.
0: I needed two of those dress socks last Monday, but that's a different discussion for a different time. And maybe we'll have it next week on the Nebraska.247 Sports Podcast.